So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Mmm. That's good beer. What are we drinking today? The Summer Pale from Hellbent. That's delicious. It is. It's been a while. How are you? I'm great. It's been a hot minute. Hot minute. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We've got some bad movies and an okay one to talk about today. We do. And some trailers I've never seen that I'm excited to look at. As always, what are we watching today? The Goldfinch in the Kitchen. Which do you want to start with? Let's start with The Kitchen. Baby, it's my business now. They're going to swallow this entire city. You go to war, there's no coming back. Alfonso Coretti wants to talk. If we go to Brooklyn, we're dead. What do you wear to something like that? You get dressed up? Are you kidding? The Kitchen. What do you think, Michael? I'm pretty intrigued by this one. Um, so the three lead actresses here for listeners are Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, and Elizabeth Moss. Um, I'm very interested to see what kind of chemistry there is between those three actresses. Um, they're not three actresses that I would have um, put together myself. Um, uh, Agreed. Yeah, I am interested to see what Tiffany Haddish does in a dramatic role. I don't think I've seen her in anything except comedy thus far. Um, and I just pulled it up on IMDb. It looks like it, it is a directorial debut from mm-hmm. Andrea Burloff. Um, so it will, uh, uh, you know, we don't know what to expect. I'm excited there. Um, it is nice to see a directorial debut. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, I'm very intrigued. What about you? I think I will have enjoyed watching this movie, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to exceed a seven and a half for Got me. It. I okay. feel like just by watching that trailer, it's going to be six and a half to seven and a half. Yep. Um, just like, it's going to do what it wants to do. It's going to be fun. I'm going to be on the character sides. I'm going to yep. enjoy being on these anti-hero character sides that, um, you know, cross into that gray area where they're like acting heroic, but they're doing nefarious things. Yeah. Um, I love the character actors that are cast in it, but it does look a little bit, I just, it, it, it reminds me of things that made me weary about like American animals and stuff mm. that's like really well marketed maybe that doesn't mm. actually end up panning out the yeah. way that they yeah. accentuate it to. So I think yeah. this will probably be perfectly fine, but nothing yeah. that's going to be on our top thirties. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. Maybe um, not, not sure that there will be a ton of personality to the direction. It looks a little broad in, 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 in a way. Um, yes. Um, that's what I was saying. Just uh, co- kind of commercial, I guess. Um, but um, you know, sometimes with the right cast, it, that can still be pleasurable. Yeah, so. I liked what I was seeing out of Gleason um, in the trailer mm-hmm. there with some of those close-ups, allowing him to fill the frame. Not a bad choice. There you go. All right, we will see. On to the Goldfinch. When I lost her. Find I lost sight of any landmark that might have led me someplace happier. You're a boy, aren't you? 
boy whose mother was killed. All right, we just watched the trailer for The Goldfinch, directed by John Crowley. I think when his name popped up, I heard a slight oof yep. under your breath. Mm-hmm. Is that because you are not such a fan, or you are a fan? Um, that's loaded. Mm. I think Brooklyn is a good picture. I think it did not deserve its Oscar attention. Mm. And I think that Crowley has a very repetitive sense of tone, emotion, and I know exactly what he's going to do, right? Mm. Like, he took another book that is critically acclaimed and has turned it into another movie with another up-and-coming promising Mm. actor, repeating his formula, a lot of the similar tones um, for me. I don't know about the color usage, but, like, the warmth tones and and Mm. the way that it was framed, it just felt very, very repetitive. I feel like this is going to have a similar ending to what Brooklyn had with that bittersweetness and growing up and, you know, the harsh realities of life. I I said oof because I feel like I know what I'm going to see already, and that's a bummer. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look like he has really stepped out of his comfort zone. No. Um, I agree, I think, with most of, of those sentiments, but, you know, I do really like most of the people in this cast, which... Um, it's not nothing. Um, it does feel a little sentimental. I don't know that I would call Brooklyn heavy-handed, but it was maybe just a it, it little... It got close. Yeah. But because yeah. of the, the twists along the way and how she becomes, she comes into owning her own self, it it stays away barely. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was partly thanks to Sierra Ronan. Like, I think yeah. she kind of just held it, you know, on the cusp of, of, of being a little too tearful um i don't know i i i worry he's kind of on the on the boundary here again um not to mention a stunning lack of sarah paulson to be found in these trailers i agree um are you an ansel elgort fan um no i i believe that he has the potential to make me a fan but i haven't Mm. seen enough projects back to back I've been told to watch Jonathan. I haven't gotten to Jonathan. I hope mm. I heard that was a transformative performance for him. Mm. Um, Baby Driver shows a lot of promise. And I think that with the right um, stories and the right people around him, he can be one of the be- better male performers coming up, like um, Lucas Hedges and Timothy Chalamet. I just I haven't great. seen enough, but I wouldn't rule him out. And I have nothing against him. I think that he is talented. I just haven't seen a range from him. I've seen yeah. kind of a one-trick pony. Mm. And I'd like to see some more tricks. Um, it's kind of like I feel like Chalamet's been exposed a little bit as a one-trick pony at mm. his age. And I feel like once he's 30, he's going to be able to get to a broader range. But right now, he's just kind of, you know, repeating the whiny routine mm-hmm. um, as far yep. as the characters that he's able to play. And I worry that Elgort's kind of playing these flat characters that are internalizing their emotions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Chalamet. Beautiful Boy did come to mind watching this as something similarly involving uh, family and um, the sort of uh, you know emotional trauma within a family um, being sort of the, the crux of the um, emotion. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, hesitant, but we'll see. Definitely a movie I will watch. Yeah. And I don't think I'll regret having watched it. I think that's fair. Yeah. So that's as good as these types of movies get, really. Yeah. On to Brightburn. No, no, no. Whatever you've done, 
I know there is good inside you. You good mom. I do. Brightburn. I could not even tell you who directed this. I don't remember. Uh, should I look it up? Nah, I don't really think it matters. It's a I guy. Think it's okay. I think that he directed some other stuff that was also kind of received the way this was. That's but right. it is executive produced by James Gunn. I think his cousins wrote the screenplay. His cousins? Okay. And then um, I think that this might have been what he was kind of working on once that whole Disney breakdown thing went through until he mm. negotiated that Suicide Squad pickup. Got it. This is maybe filling the gaps. Yeah. Well, what would that be last August to like this February, maybe? Got it. He would have yeah. been kind of focusing on this project. Probably a few others, but this would be one of them. Yeah. Got it. So, yeah. Big name attached there. We have Elizabeth Banks. We have the actor best known to Second me. Second Jim. Exactly right. I was going to say Pam's first husband in the office. I couldn't First fiance. You're right. They, they, they never, they never sealed the deal. Yeah. You're right. Good point. Um, who I do like. Um, not sure I like him here. And the uh, young boy, I couldn't tell you his name. Um, Agreed. But uh, I think that's okay as well. Um, I was decidedly mixed here. What about you? It's a bad movie. There you go. No mixed feelings about it. It's a bad movie. It's a bad screenplay. It's cookie cutter as fuck. But there's really, really cool kill scenes. It is. And that is fun. And it was good to see uh, that one dude that was Aaron Paul's buddy in Breaking Bad have a role in a film, even if he did get his jaw busted off. Oh, I don't know if I remember him from Breaking Bad. I did kind of like him He was Aaron Paul's... uh, dealer friend he would deal meth oh man yeah. um and they lived okay. in that that methed out house in breaking bad wow good memory with all the volume well i watched that show like three times yeah. probably all the way yeah the uh the moment here when he, when that character is surprised to see the kid in his closet was pretty good i i did enjoy his his level of surprise there and he probably had the most gruesome death by far um from what i can remember um at least the death most, show uh, probably mm-hmm. Because yeah. that kitchen or diner scene's pretty solid too. Also pretty gruesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess to the extent that this movie does work for me is it, it kind of gets by just on the simplicity of it, right? I think it's a pretty uncomplicated narrative of this kid showing up on Earth and he's evil just because there isn't a lot of exposition behind it. I think I kind of appreciate that. Um and it's mostly just about him uh, wreaking havoc for no particular reason. Um, that doesn't make it particularly rewarding. Well, it's because he's also... a wasp, dude. He's a wasp? Yeah. What does that mean? It means everyone else is a bee. Oh, oh metaphors. Remember that in I the do. movie? Yeah. I do. I don't know why he ended up going after the nice girl in his class and not the bully. I think that was a mistake on his part. I think there's a lot of mistakes on the screenplay's part. Mm-hmm. It does a lot of telling, very little showing. 
I don't know that I would agree. I mean, I, I don't know that it did too much telling. I think that was actually what I liked about it was that there wasn't, I didn't feel like there was that much exposition. I think um, for people that are super familiar with comic book movies, specifically mm-hmm. this story, origin story, which is Superman's origin story, yeah. it was like just a bunch of telling with no like actual mm-hmm. authenticity to it. And so if you're familiar with the story, it feels like you're just being told the same story instead mm-hmm. of having an authentic add-on to it, like why it's behaving this way, where this originated from, anything like that. Yeah, so that's one thing that I should say that I, I don't know going into it is like if there was ever sort of like a comic iteration that did imagine Superman was bad. Like, did that actually exist? Yeah, Red Sun. Okay, so one this, of them that, where this he landed a, in Russia okay. instead. I think that was comic book in the eighties. There's it, been yeah. other iterations of Superman being evil for sure. Yeah, so coming into it without like any foreknowledge about uh, like the actual comic book origins of it, like to me, it did at least feel kind of just different and fresh in that way. Like I can't say that I can really think of another movie in which um, two parents were dealing with an evil superhero kid. Um, it just kind of got by on its, um, not particularly creative, but it, but its originality. Um, it just felt different to me. Not that I want I have more to these, say, but... I don't know that I would call it original if it's based on a comic book. Well, right, right. I just, <laughs> it, agreed. I mean, I just, I have no familiarity with that. So from, yeah. you know, as, as a well, So you've movie, never seen like Man of Steel? I did not see Man of Steel. Okay. It's literally the same plot. He was bad in that one? No, but like landed farm, uh, got Kansas. It, got, it. got it, got it, got it. Mom, but he's, but dad, he's, but he's a good superhero. Yeah, right? but like yeah. all the dynamics are the same, right? It's got it's it, like it. it's like doing a biopic about Hitler and saying it's fresh, even it, if it follows okay, the biopic formula. Like, yeah, yeah it yeah. is an evil biopic, but it's still the yeah. same formula. Yeah, that's fair. But uh-huh. he's a painter. No, he's bad. <laughs> yeah yeah man um yeah the painting i'm not sure why elizabeth banks's character needed to be such a terrible painter um there was some pretty garbage production design throughout this movie uh like one of the paintings she does it looks like she just kind of grabbed like an already completed landscape painting and then just put like a purple smiley face on top of it and they hung it in the hallway i'm like it's just like a weird touch that doesn't help define this character. I'm like, I don't understand what is go, what, who, what this lady's style is. I, I thought it was kind of like an abstract landscape. I, I didn't feel like I could make the judgment of whether it was good or bad. That's personally, harsh. I, mean, I, I need more time with paintings it, myself yeah. to, to make that judgment. Yeah. But yeah. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, not to, uh, to overpraise this by any means. I just think that it, um, it's definitely fine. Mm-hmm. It's just fine. And if you want this movie, this is the movie you want. Like, if you want the bad guy movie, mm-hmm. this is definitely, like, that movie. Like, if you're, like, an angsty 14-year-old that's getting into metal right now, it's probably a great movie. Yeah. It's just yeah. we're not in the age where this would be a great movie. But, like, the end credits, like, there's a problem that I enjoyed those more than I enjoyed the mm. film. Oh, yeah. The found that. footage stuff where, like, he's just terrorizing shit in yeah, mass. Yeah. That yeah, felt more like Chronicle. It did feel like there was almost a little more reality to that. Yep. Um, whereas the rest of it feels um, just so sort of just, just poorly directed that it doesn't really resonate. Um, you know, as parents, it's really thin. I mean, I think there is something 
you know, if you're going to give it any credit, like, it, not that it actually handles the theme well, but the just idea of what a parent is supposed to do when they have something so impossible to accept about their kid. I'm mean, talk about an underexplored theme here. Um, it's there. It's just not really tapped into in any way, right? Yeah, it's um, like the writers didn't realize that that was the most interesting part that they could explore. Right, right. I mean... Uh, and I, I really feel like they didn't explore anything. Like, they just wrote what would be done, and then it, it happened. And, like, it, almost everything that is said only serves the plot. Like, yeah. And to me, that's telling. That's not really showing. Like, showing is dragged across concrete. Showing is wildlife, where we mm. get to know these characters, and then these things happen. And it doesn't feel like these characters' words directly led us to that thing on purpose by the writer. Mm. It just feels like what happens is more consequences of the life they're living. Whereas this does not feel like consequences of the life they're living. It feels like the dialogue is just about telling us how they're going to get to the next plot point, which to me is telling, not showing. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing terribly organic about any of the delivery or or behavior really. Yeah. I I would completely agree. And like how he comes up with his costume. Yeah. The moments when he discovers his powers. Yeah, I mean, there were some little touches I liked. I kind of liked the shot, you know, of the the red sort of billowing out from the shed, and you're hearing whatever that sort of gurgling is inside the shed um, before he actually ever um, gets in there. Mm. Um, You know, there were just some little touches here and there that kind of kept me um, mildly intrigued, I'll say. Um, You know, enough so that I was never just outright bored. That's kind of the last thing I want with a superhero movie, whether he's good or bad, is to just be bored, right? Mm. Um, I never got I never got to that point with it. Um, but yeah, you know, it just feels like a missed opportunity when, like, there's stuff there that you really could explore, like the parents sort of dividing over what to do about this. I mean, you know, that, that could actually be kind of interesting. Um, I know. Let's go <laughs> hunting. I'll just shoot him in the back of the head. It'll be fine. It was uh, that 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 is one approach that that was that's what he went with. Didn't pay out really. Like well. that would that is a better comic book choice. Like that mm-hmm. would be that wouldn't be a terrible comic. Mm-hmm. You know, like those scenes, the scenes framed in that way. Like it, it just it doesn't work in a motion picture. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. There were other things that just didn't really even make sense to me that. It's weird because it is so simple in a way. Like, I was really sort of surprised that there was sort of this to-do about the gun as a birthday present. I kind of thought he was going to end up wielding that gun. But he he didn't. Nothing really came about from that, right? Um, it was just telling us, the audience, how scared the dad was of the son. I guess so, but I, I wasn't sure if at that point he had even started to really suspect it yet. It was just like he was... He just didn't want to show oh, yeah, no, that he, young. He guy. was. There, there, so? there was a buildup to it mm. where he was thinking that like his kid was responsible um, when he broke that girl's hand. And, that was prior to the birthday scene, maybe. Yeah, yeah when he yeah. broke the girl's hand. And then before that was uh, he killed the waitress. And like they were like he was he's yeah. beginning to suspect his son. And like, oh, no, no, no. See, I think they're at the diner for his birthday. Right. So I think it's pre I think that birthday scene is pre-diner killing. Oh, is that the same diner? Okay, maybe you're so. right. It's been but, a little bit since I've seen it. I don't it. know. Anyway, it's a quibble. There, there's like, 
I remember there's a steady buildup of of the father's mistrust in the son that starts like sure. very near the beginning. Yeah, when yeah. he like starts, it's just like the, the way he's behaving versus the mom and the dad. Like he's treating yeah. them differently. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think yeah. about um, super villain movies in the marketplace? Um, this is I our guess... first one post Shyamalan. Yeah, I mean, I'm not completely opposed to it. I just I would not hope the fear with something like this is that this is the bar that has been set in which case i think the bar is pretty low i don't like that um that said i think with the right director it could be pretty pretty entertaining um i always we both agreed that venom was fun yeah yeah, i would agree venom was was fine um i kind of feel like the same way about the purge franchise which i always felt like should be more entertaining than it is, but the craft was always just kind of shoddy. Um, but if you get the right kind of genre director in here, I, I always I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse bringing up Jeremy Sonya every time. But like, I think he could make these super intense and gripping and thrilling. if you gave him creative control. For you sure, know, I don't True know Detective that... season or season three episodes one and two, we saw what it was like to take away creative control from him. Exactly. And that's why he left the project on he, such bad terms. And probably why he wouldn't sign on to one of these in the first place. Uh, Unless it was an original. Yeah. That he could yeah. have creative control over. Yeah. And that's what I think is interesting is a totally original IP. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, because we're going to get Venom. We're going to get the uh, Morbius or whatever with oh, uh, Jared Leto. It's part mm. of the Spider-Man villain universe. And then we've got Joker. So yeah. we've got these big licensed properties making yeah. villain movies but if these original ip villain movies have profit in the marketplace it it'll be interesting to see who takes a stab you got to think jason bloom's gonna want to do that yeah right yeah. legendary loves to acquire properties that are profitable so they're probably yeah. going to be in the race yeah um you know it's hard not to just want to take them one at a time but i would say that um this isn't a super great start if that is what we're in for, is another dozen of these or so. Um, but um, I would probably show up just to see what what's next, I guess. What about you? It depends on my mood that whenever it releases. What and when it releases. Yeah. Like yeah. if it's holiday season, eh, I'll go watch some good stuff. But it's as stale as this month of May has been. Then um. Yeah, I'll probably watch it since it'll be better than half the other stuff that's on the screens. <laughs> that's probably when they'll come out, right? It's about this time each year. When it's dead. Just yeah. to kind of fill in the gaps. Um, yeah, I, I am almost surprised that like these would even be going to theaters. Like These kind of seem like something that would be maybe better fit for streaming. Uh, at least this one, which does feel kind of small in a way. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. The Perfection. What is happening to me? I'm burning up. It's gonna be okay. Is it? Oh, it's not. Oh, God, it's not. Listen to me. Something is wrong. Something is wrong with me. Lizzie, I know. That's why we need to get you help. I'm dying. I'm dying. All right. The Perfection, a Netflix original starring Allison Williams. I think the other actress's name is Logan Browning. I think um, that's right. Yeah. Um, we watched this for first impressions, which I think, I think we were yeah. both positive or we were both yes. looking forward to it. And we were far enough away from the screen to miss any of the problems that it has. <laughs> yeah. CG yeah. wise. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
I'd kind of like to go back and watch the trailer now. I don't really remember what exactly we knew, what what kind of information the trailer gave us versus, you know, the, the feature itself. But I remember being pretty psyched up um, after the the trailer dropped and we, and we, we discussed it. But yeah, I can uh, confidently say that it was a letdown for me. Yeah, and I was wrong. Yeah, there you go. I agree with what uh, Gabby had to say. It uh, is a piece of trash ooh. film. Yeah, Gabby <laughs> was not a fan. Yes. whatsoever um yeah i uh can't say i was ever outright bored i i thought i was sort of on board with some of the things it was maybe trying to do um especially more as i've thought about it in hindsight but i did not find um the direction or execution to be particularly it was a poor man's guy Ritchie movie right the comparison I, I keep seeing is to the handmaiden which is I've Very been hearing that hear. too, and I don't understand how that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think The Handmaiden is a masterpiece. That's one of my favorite movies. It's always very hard when you hear a movie you don't like compared to a movie you love. You're like, can we please separate Well, these that's two the movies? thing. Like, I knew what was happening mm-hmm. as it was happening here, and I, The Handmaiden it takes you by surprise. Mm. And then when you go back and watch it, it's stunning how meticulously crafted it is. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah, so so let's start there. So first of all, we have Allison Williams' character, Charlotte, I believe her name is. Um, she was this talented cellist um, whose career was halted because she went to go care for her mom. Her mom passes away. She's kind of getting back into the game. Um, she reconnects with her mentor. Her uh, mom passes. She builds up a plan to free this girl. From her previous rapist. So at what point? Owner. At what point did you sort of know what this was up to? Did you know? Did you suspect right away that she was at the event? She had uh, good intentions or bad intentions? Bad intentions because I saw the trailer. Gotcha. Didn't know if it extended until I saw the dude with the glasses, mm-hmm. and it like it just became clear that like this isn't really, you know. So okay. it, it became clear to you that she did not have... Uh, we were introduced to pills in frame during the death scene of the mother, if I remember correctly. So that's yeah. when I began to incorporate pills into the plot. Because like, this yeah. is just basic telegraphing by the cinematographer or the director. You know, it's, it's the same shit we ran into with that Chloe Grace Moretz movie, where I just knew everything mm. was going to happen ahead of time. Like, I just... But once you watch enough movies or read enough books or whatever the fuck it is that mm. that happens to me like i just i know what that's the next logical thing you do you introduce this and then you make them look over here and then you actually do that with this remember when you saw it back here and i couldn't see the magic happen with the handmaiden because it was so meticulous mm-hmm. this was i just saw the whole thing telegraphed especially when you see um logan looking at her hand while her arm near her elbow is erupting with bugs and she's staring mm. at her hand. There is some terrible CG editing based on the direction that the actors were given here. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, this is not something I would hold up as a example of great direction or craft by any means. And and that's where I think the it, it, it sort of kind of came down for me is that it's just not compelling enough in its execution. I mean I will uh, confess that I did not see um, a ton of these plot twists coming, um, but did not particularly find myself gripped by the, the process of getting there. Um, hmm. 
there's like this introduction formula that particularly like this film and that other film have where it's like everything you're introduced to is going the most mundane details are going to matter if they're shiny and they're included Mm -hmm. in the frame that's the pill bottles that's the dude's glasses when we're introduced to him at the party that's the meat Mm -hmm. cleaver when they're getting the food made Mm -hmm. um in china right because then she has the cleaver she's using the pills that are shiny the guy with the glasses like there's Mm. just this there's this formula that i see being used visually that just like is just like autoplay for me like okay got it well yeah i should clarify i mean to me it was clear that allison williams character had had something violent in store for logan browning's character we know that much from the trailer i knew that the pills are going to be involved i think that was clear it was not clear to me until quite later what exactly what role the uh instructor was actually going to be playing in this um and whether or not um allison williams character truly was um vicious in any way or the extent to which this is actually to the benefit of logan browning's character like that didn't really I didn't really, I, I couldn't have said that I, I, I saw that coming. Um, but uh, just the process of getting there was, was not that thrilling. Um, it's just not that fun. It's not a good movie either. Yeah. There's that. It, its message is convoluted. It doesn't mm. make clear claims. It, it, it's a, like, what the fuck even is it, you know, in that end scene? Mm. We're like, oh, now that we both lost uh, opposing arms, we're going to become a symbiotic organism that can play something beautiful while we torture this guy, but let him hear what he wants to hear. Like, what is the message you want to convey here? Like, it's just so convoluted. Mm. Like, it it loses its own aims along its convoluted way. Yeah, I mean, I guess in hindsight, I kind of found that to some extent, I could kind of see the first act as we're as we're we're definitely led to believe that uh charlotte allison williams character has something bad planned for logan browning it's definitely sort of playing with this expectation you think so in the first act i thought so for sure i thought we know that i thought they were trying to force the romance Mm. and the plague and then that the beginning of act two is when they expose her for being negative it's certainly possible. Just maybe it's just because we know in the trailer. I guess it depends. Are you breaking cleaver. this down into five or three acts? I'm thinking about everything up until Charlotte pulling out the meat cleaver. When I'm thinking to myself, I know she has something in store for Logan Bryan's character that she's not telling because her. of the trailer. Yeah, but for do sure. you think that the film was trying to do that? It's really hard to separate it now. I right. mean, I I really like, do they were, think they were sincerely doing that romance. They were. It seemed like they were trying to be sincere about the plague introduction. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just seemed like they weren't angling for her to be bad. It's just like we both know. Like it just accidentally telegraphed it. Yeah, except, or something like that. I guess I did feel it maybe playing with this stereotype of sort of the jealous bitch. She's finally has an opportunity mm, yeah. to re-enter the game as a cellist. And so the expectation yeah, there that is I a tone of have, that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. The expectation I have is that she's she maybe sees an opportunity to enter this girl to get the spotlight back for herself. So you know, it sort of is using that expectation of this maybe being a jealous bitch kind of character against us in a way, right? 
this get out character. And then and then subsequently we see Logan Browning's character um, get her hand chopped off. We see Logan Browning coming back to get revenge on Charlotte for doing so. Now you almost have this kind of like cat fight thing going on, right? When they finally confront each other, she wants revenge uh, against uh, the first person we, that we've been de- identifying with. So you kind of have these first two acts that are mostly about two women um, being pit against each other. And I do think competition is sort of like a, a theme here, right? Like the instructor's introduction is about a violin or cello uh, contest, right? Um, so, you know, I do think there's something there the movie is after about um, women being pitted against each other and the idea of collaboration over competition. Um, but I do think there is something also very thuddingly literal about what we discover the men were doing to them in light of how um, sort of twisted and requiring of suspension of disbelief that everything else before that really required. Um it just doesn't really feel very, like, creative. Um, I feel like the whole thing isn't creative, though. Would, would, would be my, that too. my con- conjecture. <laughs> I would ag- agree, except that, like, you know, the whole idea that Charlotte's plan was something as elaborate as convincing this girl that she was having hallucinations in order to chop off her hand. Like, that's how she decided to go about saving this girl like that's pretty ridiculous that's certainly not something like any ordinary person might do rather than just telling them hey like you're being brainwashed right um it, at least that is like but that's some, that's you some, know some the thing they want you to bite on. that's the thing they want you to bite on in contemporary culture where we all are rallying you know m- most of us are rallying against like scientologists right now Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're seeing the Catholic Church reform and, and try to cast out its known child abusers and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, f- I think they're trying to force something that isn't there. Mm-hmm. And they're using really, really basic plot um, attenuators almost. Like the, mm-hmm. these basic symbols of like, here's the shiny glass. Seems like there might be something in the bottom of that glass since we're looking mm-hmm. from the bottom of the glass up at the top doing an undershot on these two girls while she drinks this cup on the stairs and then looks at this guy puke. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, and then, Oh, how does it end? Oh, she's pouring the alcohol for these men, even though she only has one hand. Yes. This makes perfect sense. The one handed girl will pour the drinks. That'll be efficient. Yeah. You know, like there's just, there's a very forced, uh, symbology that this whole shtick has. And yeah. whatever meaning might be interesting along the way is lost by the sheer mechanics of how they execute the plot. I, think. I would agree. Mechanics. That That's probably the, the, the great word for it. Mechanically flawed. Um, and not particularly well suited just for um, a sense of intrigue. Like I, I think it's kind of an issue with who you're kind of meant to identify with in a way. Right? Um I mean, there's something about in The Handmaiden when these reveals finally happen, when when something turns out to not be what you thought it was. It's partly that, like... The fire. 
you, you, you thought one thing was going on in, in a character's head, and it turns out to be something else. Whereas, like, I don't know that I ever really was in either of these characters' heads. Um, Agreed. I, I so wish thin. that it would have followed that kind of first act. Like, is this a romance, or is this, like, a Black Widow scenario? Mm. Like, that was more yeah. intriguing, and I didn't have as good of an idea what the emotions were on mm. either of either person when they were yeah. still romantic. But as soon as it exits the romance and turns into this, we're going from point A, we got to get to point C yeah. film, that's where it just lost me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of just flubs the, like, the relationship in, in part one because it raises... Flub. To flubber. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that Charlotte could be dangerous also while wanting us to be kind of swept up in their romantic possibilities, um, just makes it sort of difficult to be particularly curious about what either one of them have in store for the other. Um, Because there's, there's this kind of confused sense to me of like um, what it is I'm supposed to be wondering about. Like in a way, Logan Browning's character kind of seems like someone I, I might, uh, I'm not supposed to be particularly fond of. Um, she's this successful one. Charlotte's the one who lost her mom, lost all of her opportunity. Like, I, I don't know. It just doesn't get quite something right about um, what it well, is. Well, it's trying to, to force a bad message. Mm. I, I think is what we notice, right? Because basically all the men are evil and all the women are with evil actions are excused. That's essentially what happens along the story of this film. Every single main male character is bad, killed or tortured. All the mm. women are drugged or manipulated and therefore excused from having any ownership of the mm. plot. And I think mm. that's like where it just rings hollow. Is was there a is there a woman character who you thought like uh when you say ownership like should have they should have let the female character um that was the wife or whatever of the dude with the glasses yeah, yeah. Just be evil. Like, oh, just let someone like be evil instead of be drugged. Yeah, like, mm. just l- let some of these characters be characters. Don't let them be caricatures. Mm. Like, everybody was just kind of this caricature of what mm. they decided they wanted the narrative to have a message about. Yeah. Instead of schematic. having an, an authenticness, right? Like, yeah. there are bad actors in both sexes. Why can't you just let one of the the female characters be a bad actor in the story. You know? Yeah. They they just couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, except that, like, this is partly about, like, men and women. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I think I'm okay with it sort of making a divide um, in this case when there aren't that many characters anyways. Um, to, to me, it's like Allison Williams arguably does something evil by having to cut her hand off. Then yeah. that girl arguably does something evil, but has an excuse because she was in a cult. Mm-hmm. Then the other girl does something arguably evil, but she has an excuse because she was drugged. Like, it's like all these people mm-hmm. that are doing bad things have this excuse because of this thing that these guys did. And mm-hmm. and it's like, that's not interesting. Let's let's like have some agency for a female character to be bad. Mm-hmm. Because they want yeah. to be. Because they, they mm-hmm. like perfection. Like, that's mm. more interesting to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I would agree. I think that that, that sounds like a different story to me. Uh, sounds like a better story. 
<laughs> that is entirely possible. Um, yeah. I don't know that I have a whole lot else. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Shall we move on? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Moving on. That's perfection. The perfection. People don't pay to see Reg Dwight. They pay to see Elton John. Sorry. I know. Rocket Man. Rocket Man. Are you an Elton John fan? I am. I'm not like a huge fan, but I grew up yeah. with my dad loving his hits and yeah. like listening to that on the radio. Yeah. So like I know a lot of the hits and I always am in a good mood by him. Definitely a bigger Elton John fan than I ever was like a um, Michael Jackson or um, David Bowie fan. As far as okay. pop goes, like Elton John's more my style. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm mostly in the same boat. I know the hits, really don't know the deep cuts, can't say I'm Did a not get any of the references that all the older gentlemen around me were laughing about every time there was an oh. envelope handed to someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I got that sense too. My my theater was pretty full. I definitely feel like there were, there were maybe things here and there that... Um, the true fans knew that I didn't. Yes. Um, Did you hear that when, like, um, what's that dude's name? Jamie Bell would hand over an envelope of lyrics, mm. or, like a collection of lyrics, and then, like, all these old dudes in sandals would, like, have this reaction and I'd be like, I have no fucking idea what's going on. You're just like, I'm so glad you're in <laughs> It was this. very much the Bohemian Rhapsody crowd, once again. Oh, yeah. And I was in the same theater, in the same screening room. So it, was, it was very similar, yeah. There you go. How'd it sound? How'd it start with that? Um, it did sound good, but I'm very unhappy with the song choices in the film. Mm. I don't feel like they ever let a song just play and show me the song. Mm. And I, I felt like they skipped through the songs too much. Like I would have liked mm. to just sit with the song for a bit. Mm. Um, a kind of that way that, um, yeah, the way that Cooper, um, and A Star is mm. Born kind of let us just sit with some of these new songs that he created for the film. I would have liked to just spend some time with, um, Egerton being very passionate about this mm. performance because he was very good in his performance, but he never gave a full performance of one song. Mm. And that's, yeah. a, that's a disappointment. Yeah. If, if we are in for many more rock biopics, I do hope more of them are like a stars for it. That's a better bar. I think than Bohemian Rhapsody. For yes. me. Um, so well, this is Dexter uh, Fletcher who I think did the pickup shots and finished um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. So right. this is very yeah. much, you know, you have to compare the two. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's hard not to. It, it just that same feeling that I'm like, ah, like, let's not let, like, let's, let's keep the bar high. Let's not start there. Um, I, I was, I was driving to work this week and on the radio, um, the DJs were talking about Rocket Man and they invited some critic on. I don't know who the critic was, but that was the first question. What is it better than Bohemian Rhapsody? And I'm like, that's not, I don't know if that's the right starting point here. We should still look at it on its own terms. And that's that's um, a complex thing. Like, is it more cohesively the same? Yes. Is Bohemian Rhapsody better performance-wise as far as emotions, like getting into the character's head? I think so. Really? I think so. I think that last third of Bohemian Rhapsody is so crucial. And that relationship that he has that actually develops over time, that is sincere Mm. with Lucy Boynton, is completely Mm. missing here. The closest thing we get Mm. is his relationship with Jamie Bell, Mm -hmm. which is very, very brief moments. Yes. Yeah. I did find that to be um, the biggest disappointment because I think that's what I was maybe most interested in. Like, I feel like that's sort of something 
distinctive about Elton John. Not that I like know that uh, many rock musicians um, approach to the craft, but like I'm not that used to use. I'm not that used to seeing musical biopics where the star's success really depends on a partnership with yeah. another guy who's just a friend. Um, that just felt so unexplored. Um, like I just think that would be especially such with a, such a good actor. Yeah, like I like that. That could just be such a fascinating relationship that doesn't really um, get explored in any meaningful way. Um, they have their moments, I think, you know, when their their relationship sort of waxes and wanes. But um, that's really it felt just like a dialogue, you know, interior. Yeah, Say this. Thin, it's shallow. Okay, yeah. we're gonna do dialogue on the exterior. He's here. You guys, you guys are gonna say this, and then um, in twenty minutes, you're gonna make up at the end of the movie. Okay. Yeah, which is frustrating because I think they're both good. Like I think there are moments when they're, they're both looking, very good actors. Yeah, and I think there are moments when they're looking at each other and both sort of um, sensing that this is like a big moment for them together. Particularly, I think it's when Elton John's playing the song called "Your Song." Um, and, was that at the Troubadour? Uh, I think it was in the studio. Okay. When Jamie Bell's still, you know, behind the behind the right, boards, right. Um, and and they're just kind of having that moment. They're like, "This is this is a good one." Um, you know, th- th- those moments work, but just um, you know that that whole a, a a very large layer of complexity is missing, um, which is frustrating. But at the same time, I mean, I did find myself sort of. Um, I found it kind of hard to resist the um, musical format for some, I mean, in terms of it being so fanciful and that feeling quite right for a guy who couldn't be more fanciful. Um, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to say that this is like a really risky picture. I don't think it takes that big of risks. I don't want to overstate that, but um, it's willingness to at least try and do something a little more cinematic with its structure and the musical format, I, I can really kind of get on board with. Whereas, Oh, you think that it was well-structured? I do. I fucking hate the framing device. See, that, that, that worked for me. That completely threw me off of the whole picture. Because really? I, I already know that I'm separate from him. So all mm. the him that I'm going to experience in the film is separate. Because I already mm. met him. He's He's here. He's at this point in time. Mm. Now he's narrating to a group in NA mm. or AA or whatever group that is. And that's mm. not really him. And, oh, mm. look at how he's dressed. He's clearly going to physically break off the horns, take <laughs> off does. the wings, and bring himself back down to being a man instead of being some sort of a fallen angel. Mm. Okay. It, it's just so forced. Like, mm. I, I think... It, that, stuff like that just doesn't work for me, and I might be the odd man out there. Mm. But it's just super forced, and it removes the timeline from for me, so I can never be on the, the wavelength of when we're going through the motions of, like, here's Reggie. He's with his mother. Mm. I don't believe that, because I know that I'm being narrated to. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think for me it worked in the sense that what's, what's way more familiar to me is the that... The eventual drug period in a musician's career, career always playing as just another kind of beat, another sort of hitch on the but path. But do you to feel like they actually explored it the way that they did in Bohemian? Um, I don't think either one of them explored it particularly. Okay, I, I have to agree with you there, but like, yeah. <laughs> I, f- I feel like 
Rami was able to be Freddy in that house when he mm. left the band where he was where we just got kind of the super cut of all these people coming in and out and ripping him off and him spending all this money and mm. a very physical transformation happening to Rami's face. Yeah. And yeah. um the over time him excluding himself from these people and mm. that um when he bought Lucy the separate house like there was mm. this clear devolution happening that was paving mm. a straight line of what it was like to be Freddy. Although it's called Bohemian mm. Rhapsody and it's trying to show us the other parts of Queen, it's about Freddie and it's showing this clear downfall. I didn't get the sense of a clear downfall mm. in this film. I would agree, but and while I I think Bohemian Rhapsody maybe I think Rami Malek does a good job of sort of embodying what that downfall looks like. I think to the extent that it is successful, it is entirely in my opinion, because of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is... And the editor. Damn good yeah, editing. No. Yeah. Um, I think this is instead trying to um, put Elton John's musical achievements on par with him having conquered um, his addictions. Um, I think it kind of brings that to the foreground and makes that at like um, as much a like a momentous period in his life and less a story beat by bringing it um, right out in front and saying um, the story of Elton John is as much a story of um, um, having a downfall and recovering as it is um, just the making of the hits. Um I think it just gives all of those songs and all of the sort of magic of it this this bit of poignancy because you know the whole time that um, while we see him as a star ascending into the uh, stratosphere, at the same time he's going down. Um, you have these two, traje- two trajectories at once um, that I think does give it a little bit of distinctiveness from your traditional biopic where the drug period is the is the three out of four, you know, quarters of the movie. Um, that make any sense? Yeah. I, I feel like I preferred Vox Lux's um, mm. expression of that idea more though, of showing like going mm. up while you're going down. Mm. Like, like the, I, I don't like Vox Lux, but somewhere in between Vox Lux and this is like what I would have preferred to see with, with like actual mm. moments. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. another thing that's just got this glossy sheen on it and all this production value, but it, it doesn't have, like, sincere moments. It's mm. just, like, always chugging along to try to meet its two-hour, mm. one-minute cut or whatever it ends up being. Mm. Like, it, it just it lacks that that humanistic little bit that makes me feel like I got to know Elton or feel with Elton. Mm. And I, yeah. I felt yeah. like that framing device kept me from ever getting on that same path. And suspending mm. my disbelief and being like, I'm on this path with, with Reginald. He just became Elton. Um, he mm. met this person. Like, it, it just felt like it was, here's Reginald. Now he's Elton. Y- you know, like, it was mm. It was just this thing where they were snapping and, like, you're doing this now. Instead of me saying, like, wow, I feel like I just met Reginald and now Reginald's becoming Elton. Mm. Like, there's that lack of sincerity on my part of, like, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I feel like we have the, the device in Bohemian Rhapsody isn't that different it's just i mean he's not starting out as an addict but he but we do start out with um freddie mercury as we know him as the star he ultimately came yeah. to be and, then and, we flash and back. i didn't know enough about 
him to know what that flashback entailed. Mm. And I became on it for that. And mm. that was because they were performing right. And yeah. we didn't really know yeah. what else was going on. Like, yeah. we just knew that there was going to be another performance at the end. Mm. Whereas with this, we knew that he was in a meeting. We knew that he was in costume. And, mm. th- you know, like, there, there's a lack mm. of of openness to its ending the way that Bohemian mm. Rhapsody has an openness. Especially, mm. who knows, like, maybe I'm projecting a lot of this stuff because I know that Elton lived. Maybe maybe yeah. the difference yeah. is that we know that Freddie died, so that changes the way that I interpret the story. Um, and yeah. my openness yeah. to try to read into when he died. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does make, yeah, the ending's very different. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's... It's suggested maybe Elton's days, best days are still ahead of him, right? As a as a dad, happily married with two kids, right? I mean, maybe I mean, personally, it, but if yeah, you listen yeah. to the crowd, once he said, yeah. "I'm I'm going to quit doing drugs and drinking," my entire theater mm. booed and said, "That's when your song sucked." Yeah, it, well, <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, I do think this is staying true to to Elton in that sense, yeah. and not as much. And, and that's one of the working other less as just fan service. That's one of the other things that I wonder about is are these biopics going to be better if we don't let the person they're about shape their narrative? Oh, like their literal involvement in the project? Yeah, yeah to make it positive yeah. and make it uplifting and, and mm. frame it this way so that it does this, you know, because that might be getting in the way of some more authentic storytelling. Mm. That You know, of course, you know, you don't want people to do that because then yeah you're gonna be exposed for your worst moments because those are yeah. the things that we gravitate to as people yeah yeah i was um sort of just like exasperated by uh how it handled the the mean manager role um, what's his name robert something rob stark that's all yeah that's all i know him as i don't i can't tell you that actor's name um but just like how fast it decided he was going to be the if the evil counterpoint without really like any dimensionality to that character or it's just so it's just so simplistic or that, how about that one him. kiss when he's the backup yeah. band um yeah. Yeah. for the african-american group mm-hmm. on tour in london like Very it's quick. just it's yeah. so there's no lingering there's no development of character no. emotions yeah. like it's just beat 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 yeah yeah um, yeah, the, the manager thing just surprised me because it felt like it took Elton's story and shoehorned it into that familiar formula, right? Like you saw it in Bohemian Rhapsody, you even saw it in A Star Is Born, where you have the bad you have the bad manager, um, or you have the good manager and you're bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, Isn't it's that like, the Star Is Born scenario where Sam Elliott actually cared about his brother? And... Sam Elliott did, but there was the young guy with no socks. Right, right. right. You know, he was he was the the bad guy, the, the Paul Giamatti role. Yeah, like, yeah. that's who I always think of. He did it in Straight Outta Compton. Um, like it just sometimes feels like there's like the screenwriting between the between each of these is is just so. Um, frighteningly similar it's like they're they're it's just like an, an assumption that you have to have that at this point um, or it, maybe brian singer shot less of bohemian rhapsody than we thought yeah and yeah. dexter fletcher's just took his rocket man project and improvised it ahead of time yeah hard yeah. to say yeah did you ever see the movie love and mercy 
with John Cusack and Paul Dano. I think so. Yeah. That movie came to mind as well. Um, that was about um, uh, the Beach Boys um, and Paul Dano playing. Mm. Um, gosh, why am I blanking on the lead singer of the Beach Boys name? Um, but um, Don't look at me. I won't know. <laughs> yeah, I did find uh, that came to mind during Rocket Man. I think if anybody was particularly disappointed with um, this movie's exploration of kind of like what goes into the craft, I think that one really kind of gets it right. Yeah. Um, worth checking out. Um, I think one of my favorite, it's not a song or a band movie, but I think one of my favorite like group of boys telling a story is Lords mm. of Dogtown. Oh, yeah, the skateboarding one. Yeah, I feel like that just, mm. there's something about it that's so sincere and lets each character mm. develop their own thing, but intertwine together. Mm. I'd, I'd yeah. love to see someone try to move back towards telling a, a mm. band story that way. Yeah, and there like was the sincerity uh, of love. Definitely a lot more texture to that one. Yeah. Um, whereas these, you know, all uh, kind of have a tendency to feel a little airbrushed. I mean, that that has some grime to it. Yeah, and, um, and but sincerity, ugliness. And, yeah. You know, a yeah. bit of that mid '90s vibe where, like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go do this fucked up thing at this party. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's um, who those people were, you know. This is like the best interpretation of being a coke addict, you know. Like, there's no unflattering shots, and maybe that's one of the biggest problems. Is like, mm-hmm. there's no honesty here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, as uh, as a movie, um, suggesting that we're we're kind of in for a bunch of you know bunch more rock biopics. Does this make you particularly? Um, excited disappointed makes me nervous Mm -hmm. but i do question how much better these can be without the involvement of the groups and Mm. i do question specifically with this whether or not elton looked at this as another way of putting on a costume Ooh, that's interesting yeah i mean we have uh, a handful more coming out this year right or at least ones that rely heavily i think on um rock music as part mm-hmm. of the appeal right you got the beatles one coming out yesterday uh blinded by the, the light yeah Bob the Dylan bruce one. springsteen or, yeah bruce, bruce yeah, springsteen yeah um not quite in the same arena what's the renee zellweger one isn't that a music biopic too um i don't know i just know about her tv show that just came out on netflix oh gosh maybe it's a tv show i thought it was judy garland oh um, she's doing judy garland i think so i'm interested that i i, I suspect that will be better i i do like um, this switch back to trying to do musicals yeah yeah but to me it is i do like them being musicals like this is um which bohemian rhapsody was not like we we see you know where some of these each of these songs kind of came from but um you know the way some of the songs were introduced in bohemian rhapsody reminded me a little bit of how for example Han Solo's last name was introduced in Solo. That little moment, I think right? it's funny. Okay, some people like that. I, you know, that it's it, the right amount of cheese. <laughs> you know, it's just it's goofy enough to be fine. It's a nice, yeah, it's yeah. a nice little zing before a very, very heartbreaking moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting to see where where this will go. I don't. I really am apprehensive about my movies becoming too reliant on music for their appeal. 
Um, I want them to remain uh, cinematic. driven Yeah, and, yeah, and and, ha- and still, yeah, have be attuned to, like, definition of characters and that kind of thing. Um, and I think, yeah, the biggest appeal here was that it did try to have those moments of fantasy and, and, and movie magic to me um, to complement um, its music and sort of find that fit of form and content because this guy was such a larger-than-life um, character. Larger than himself. Yeah. Person. Yeah. yeah. It's flamboyant, and so the, the form should be a little flamboyant. Um, and I think that gets something... It got something a little right for me. Less for me, but... I go. still enjoyed it. Um, there you go. Have you ever seen Dexter Fletcher's Eddie the Eagle, also starring Taron Edgerton? No, I, I have not. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I ask uh, you which one you prefer more. I prefer Eddie the Eagle more. What about Kingsman? Kingsman? Uh, first one, definitely probably his best movie as a performer. Edgerton, what, or mm-hmm. his best movie that he's been in. His best performance is probably this or Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. How about you? Uh, he's. This is the only thing I've seen him in. I think. Wow. Um, yeah. I. I didn't see Eddie the Eagle. I didn't see Kingsman. I don't know. Didn't that I see King him. Arthur. No. Robin Hood. I didn't see Robin Hood. Jamie Fox. <laughs> Jamie Fox is in that. Yeah, he plays a uh, <laughs> friar, whatever. What? Yeah. That's crazy. It got stunningly bad reviews. I believe it. Yeah, I'm sure he is crossing his fingers that this works. Yeah, I think it will. I think yeah. it, it's projecting at uh, 22 million. Ma's raking in 18 mm. right now, and Godzilla's over 50. She's coming for him. She is. <laughs> Ma's coming for you, Darren. All right. That is uh, the episode for this week. Talk to you guys next week. Adios. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. You're the best in-